So mates, plenty to discuss on this Thursday, the day before Friday. I'm already feeling the weekend. Friday E, That's as I it. like to think of it. That is it. We're going to talk about the apology from LSU on behalf of one of its star players and uh, Chef Pilar from Next Level Chef. She's bringing her black excellence to the show today. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm the Cordelia Corte. Plus, why babyface mm. fans aren't too happy with Anita Baker and doing what we can to bring awareness to missing black and brown people in our community. They're the stories that impact our people. We're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. So let's get into our top conversation for today. It takes us to Philadelphia, where officials are offering a $20,000 reward uh, on information for two escaped prisoners, one charged with multiple homicides. Now the inmates slipped through a fence hole at a correctional facility and their absence went unnoticed for almost an entire day. The district attorney's office prioritizes the safety of affected families and witnesses. Questions arise about the missed head counts, prompting demands for accountability. Now, the FBI is also offering a $50,000 reward for information on another escaped inmate. Four people have been arrested and charged with first-degree murder and the killing of a 24-year-old off-duty Chicago police officer. The suspects approached the officer while she was returning home, engaged in a shootout, stole her weapon, and fled the scene. They're also linked to other crimes and will face additional charges. The Chicago Police Department held a vigil for the fallen officer. City officials expressed condolences and emphasized the need for a safer Chicago. The incident reflects a disturbing trend of increased shootings targeting law enforcement officers. And now to Detroit, as gun violence continues, a victim of a triple shooting at a Detroit gas station recalls that the gunman threatened to shoot every customer before opening fire. David Langston and his friend Gregory Carlos Samuel uh, Fortner Kelly pleaded with the clerk to unlock the doors, but were shot inside when the door remained locked. Fortner Kelly tragically lost his life in the incident. The suspect, Samuel Anthony McCray, has been charged with multiple offenses, including first-degree murder. The gas station was later discovered to be unlicensed and has been closed during the investigation. Fortner Kelly's loved ones remember him as a caring and humorous person who always brought laughter to others. The investigation into the case remains ongoing. And Courtney, it's important to note that the uh, Wayne County prosecutor um, is piecing this all together mm -hmm. and says that McCray attempted to make a purchase uh, inside the gas station when his card was declined. Mm -hmm. This all sort of happened over a $3 purchase. Mm -hmm. To think that there have been so many lives lost over a $3 yeah. purchase. This is uh, the epitome of, of a senseless shooting. Um, if there ever was one. Yeah, and it actually happened uh, last weekend, but of course this story is big enough to where it has stayed, you know, in the headlines, uh, especially here in Detroit. And so, you know, as they continue to dig deep and information continues to come out, you're wondering, is this another mental, you know, episode, uh, or is this like pure, you know, retaliatory, it's something in, in that nature. We just won't know until the investigation uh, continues and or wraps up. But what it does say, in my opinion, is that, you know, Gun violence is and continues to be off the charts. And there is there are policies and laws that continue to need to be put in place so uh, we can minimize, if not stop, uh, occurrences like this. It is just so taxing to have to 
to have to report these stories every single day. You're right, you're right. And imagine, you know, if he didn't have this weapon, mm -hmm. you know, and if his card was declined, if he was having a bad day, mm -hmm. right? Okay, well, what's the worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. He maybe yells or screams or whatever. And walks out. You know, but, but when, when folks, you know, have access to weapons, people that have no business having these weapons. That's right. Um, you know, this is the kind of fallout it can lead to. And let's also not forget the store clerk in this story. Mm -hmm. Why did the store clerk lock the door, right? Mm -hmm. He locked the door with the gunman inside the store. You had folks pleading with the clerk, please open the door, let him out. I couldn't imagine. It, it, and, and, and so just as police officers need to engage in de-escalation tactics, I think, you know, shop owners would be well served in uh, be getting trained in those sorts of tactics because as the story read to me it seemed like that only agitated the gunman. It'll be interesting to see what the uh, investigation uh, finds. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, California Governor Gavin Newsom rejects endorsing $1.2 million in payments to slave descendants proposed by the Reparations Task Force. The proposal costing up to $800 billion aims to compensate for historical injustices. Governor Newsom highlights ongoing efforts in voting, law enforcement, and economic equality. The plan will be reviewed by the state legislature, and the national reparations uh, efforts face obstacles in Congress. We want to note that. You know, public opinion shows that a racial divide uh, exists with a majority supporting uh, uh, a, a majority among black respondents in support. The California proposal targets African-American descendants pre-19th mm. century. It is hot and heavy in your home state. I mean, there was just a meeting where, where they, they, they are getting into it. You know, folks from, from both sides. Reparations, yes. I mean, we know the Jewish community uh, continues to be uh, taken care of. Uh, I had mentioned a few shows ago, um, descendants of uh, Hiroshima and the bombing, they have been taken care of, uh, those family members, the heirs, if you will. Why not black folks? Here's my only concern, because everybody is trying to find their way with it, that there, there, there could be uh, some folks who get lost in the sauce or, or fall in the cracks in regards to who you know, should be getting the reparations. I, I would love more of a collaborative effort, more maybe a federal effort, a nationwide effort, so we have some routine on how these reparations, uh, you know, would be dispersed. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of splintering here. But, but, you know, I think also what's really so exciting about this is that there are so many different states and mm -hmm. municipalities that are, you know, sort of doing their own study of what reparations mm -hmm. might look like in their community. I think that's great. I think the challenge is politically, mm -hmm. you know, how do you get this done? How do you get it over the finish line? You know, Governor Gavin Newsom, he set up the reparations task force. He endorsed having mm -hmm. a task force to deliver deliver a comprehensive study on what California could do. And so he wasn't starting from this mindset of, you know, I don't support reparations. Sure. But it's important to note that polling shows a racial divide in support, as was mentioned in the story, 77% of black people, uh, but 18% of white people uh, support reparations. This is according to Pew Research. Mm -hmm. And so we have a long way to go in terms of public education around 
you know, why this is important, why this needs to happen, how it needs to happen, and what difference it would make. Yeah, we have cities like Evanston, Illinois, I do believe, to where they've actually instituted and, and done some payouts, if you will. And it, you know, depending on how you feel about it, maybe it fared well, maybe it didn't fare so well. So I think there's a lot to discuss. But yeah, reparations, absolutely. Yeah, and sometimes we fixate on payments, mm -hmm. right? I think, I think that's where the wheels come off the bus, mm -hmm. right? There are lots of different proposals mm -hmm. that the California Reparations Task Force has delivered, including but not limited to payments. And so let's not fixate on that. Um, I know that there's a, a, an organization called the California Freedom Fund that's fighting for a $100 million endowment for black organizations. So it's one example among many uh, that is to be considered by the California State Legislature. Let's go to Florida, where Democrats are urging former NBA players Dwayne Wade or Grant Hill to run against Senator Rick Scott in the 2024 election. Donors believe a strong candidate with star power is needed to challenge Republican dominance in that particular state. However, Wade's recent move out of Florida due to anti-LGBTQ laws poses a hurdle. Grant Hill is seen as a potential candidate with name recognition and fundraising abilities. The discussions reflect concerns about the limited options for Florida Democrats. Wade's decision was influenced by his concerns, his decision to leave Florida, uh, was made by his decisions to um, protect his transgender daughter. Well, there are there's lots of talent out there in Florida, Courtney. Um, if people are looking for star power, you know, don't forget about people like uh, Layla Ali, mm -hmm. uh, who was born in Miami. Don't forget about people like uh, Primetime, Coach Primetime. Deion Sanders was mm -hmm. born in Fort Myers, Florida, right? And so there are a lot of people with star power, you know, that have not been shy about making political statements. Um, that, dare I say, come from families yeah. who have historically made political statements. But let's not get so fixated on famous people, right? Val Demings just ran a really solid campaign uh, for Senate in Florida. Have we understood, you know, why she didn't get through the finish line? And is there an opportunity to put her up again, for example? She's definitely, for me, for Florida, would be a front runner and on the top of my list. But that, you know, celebrity or not, you know, of course, Val Demings, a, a career, you know, politician. Um, but for, for an ask like that from, from somebody who's more celebrity-based because you know the name, that is a huge ask and a huge undertaking. And you, you know, you are, you are putting it all on the line, the way, you know, your life is, is, is opened up even more. You would think with them being celebrities that their life is very public. But that political game is downright dirty and filthy. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure maybe Wade and Grant Hill appreciate the fact that people think of them in this nature but that's a that's a tough decision and a hard ask and I would hope that you know they would they wouldn't be too quick um, to, to, to throw their hat in the ring if you will it's a hard it's a hard ask but there's a lot uh, happening in the state of Florida that mm -hmm. is negatively impacting mm -hmm. black folks and so you know uh, folks are being called on to serve hopefully uh, they take the call but you know it's just it's really important to note that that Florida um, there's a lot happening there mm -hmm. um, that's going to make a big difference on the lives of black folks for generations. Yeah. And so I think that's worthy of their consideration. But, let, but let's make sure we're calling on the, I don't want to say right, but maybe 
proper and appropriate folks because just like that Herschel Walker thing was a disaster for the Republicans, you know, the right, the wrong person in in that running in on that Democratic ticket can be just as disastrous. But, but so you know, there are Republicans. You Repub just can't be calling people just to be calling people. Say, hey. But there, but there are Republicans that don't think Herschel Walker was a disaster. And keep in mind, Herschel Walker, Larry Elder. Carrie Lake. I mean, the Republicans have figured out, you know, to put up people with a little bit of star power and look at how close they're getting you know, to actually winning these elections. And so I think Democrats would be wise, you know, to tap on the shoulder of people that are are better known. They don't necessarily have to be celebrities, but mm -hmm. people that are well known, that have a connection. Disaster to these in states. the sense of what came out of that man's closet as he continued to run. That's what I'm saying. Well, uh, off to D.C. where the Senate Judiciary Committee has asked billionaire Harlan Crow to disclose gifts given to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. The committee is investigating undisclosed payments in real estate transactions involving Justice Thomas and his family. Similar requests were sent to the holding companies associated with Crow's private jet and yacht. Crow's representatives have not yet committed or commented, rather, but the committee aims to strengthen ethics rules for Supreme Court justices and has requested the information by May 22nd. All right, to some sports news here, LSU women's basketball player and rapper Fajay uh, Johnson, Flage Johnson sparked controversy with a now deleted video where she referenced the 9-11 attacks in her lyrics. The university issued a statement expressing Johnson's remorse and the video was taken down. Now, despite the incident, Johnson has a promising uh, music career and has gained attention from rapper Lil Wayne. Her dad uh, was a rapper who um, made some noise before his uh, unfortunate uh, uh, death. And she was also, if I'm not uh, mistaken, on um, a America's Got Talent yeah. and, and fared very well. So she's rapping even maybe before the whole basketball thing. Yeah, I mean, clearly multi-talented. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I appreciate about her is that, you know, she was willing to listen and learn and decide differently, mm -hmm. right? And so, it, you know, she was not born when 9-11 happened. Right. And so, right. you know, her understanding of 9-11 wasn't the same as those of us who lived through it. Mm -hmm. And so her willingness to listen to folks who were alive then and mm -hmm. could offer some more context, after she learned more about it, she took the video down and she was incredibly apologetic. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, uh, I think, you know, that is the sign of, of, of a real leader. I'm gonna have to disagree with you just a little bit. There are so many resources, namely just Google, and I'm thinking her village around her, who were probably very grown when 9-11 happened. You're writing these lyrics. It takes a lot to go from the pen and paper to the recording studio and, and it being, you know, produced and put out there. I'm just concerned about the checks and balances. You know, sometimes we have to hold our own feet to the fire and be accountable uh, and work on a need to know basis. I remember being very young in the industry. I made a mistake on air and gave away uh, $10,000 versus the $100 I was supposed to give away. And I was like, well, I didn't know. And my boss was like, you need to operate on a need-to-know basis because you are going to be held accountable. And I don't know, I just come from a whole different generation to whereas that's what it was all about. But you know what? But she, but she is young, and maybe this is her teachable moment. Okay. Right? And so just how you had that moment, maybe this is that moment for her. And again, you know, the statement that she put out read as very apologetic, and mm -hmm. it seems that uh, she took it down very quickly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, good for her. And there are a lot of people that still say she has a bright future. Oh, absolutely.
Absolutely she does. Yeah. She she can rap and, and play ball. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, actor Jonathan Majors appeared in a New York City court facing a revised domestic violence charge. The charge was modified to reflect the perspective of his accuser, who is cooperating with authorities. Majors did not enter a plea during the brief arraignment, his lawyer maintaining his innocence and criticized the prosecution as a witch hunt. Majors still faces other misdemeanor charges related to his arrest. The U.S. Army pulled commercials featuring Majors due to the allegations, and Majors must attend an in-person hearing in June or risk a possible arrest warrant. The case faces a challenge motion filed by Major's attorney and a protection order remains in effect. Oh, just such a, a, a gray area, you know, um, innocent until proven guilty first and foremost. So I, I really somewhat, unless they have some information we don't know about, you know, these folks, uh, you know, pulling up from him, management, PR folks, the, the projects and so on and so forth. So that that's unfortunate, um, especially as the uh, alleged victim mm -hmm. kind of changed her story a little bit and retracted some of what she had said. Uh, you know, folks are saying, well, maybe she was coerced or I don't know. But I know that in the in the court of public opinion, mm -hmm. this man has already been prosecuted, if, yeah. if you will. And it's just very unfortunate. It is very unfortunate, though we have not seen, though we've seen this plenty of times before, particularly when it comes to, to black men mm -hmm. uh, of note. Um, you know, the prosecutor said that the charge was re rewritten to reflect the perspective of Major's 30-year-old accuser. Mm -hmm. This is even after the police officer uh, sort of offered a written account of what happened. So I just thought that that was really strange. You know, uh, police officers aren't often very friendly uh, to, to, uh, to black folks, particularly black men. We don't have the most positive encounters. And so, uh, you know, it's interesting that the police officer's account wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And so instead of dismissing the allegations uh, in the face of uh, what the woman had put up, the DA adjusted the charges. I just think that's strange. And, and that is a, a point of contention. Uh, that Jonathan Major's lawyer has raised. And so we'll continue to follow the case, but uh, for all of our soulmates out there that are lawyers, if you know something that we don't know, you know, get in the chat uh, and let us know. Well, you know what, I, and I hear you on that and, and point taken, but a lot of times when it involves us, a lot of strange things have a tendency to Isn't happen. funny how that happens? I wonder why. <laughs> Still ahead, don't book your summer vacation just yet. Hold on, soulmates. Hold on. We got something for you. That's right. We'll tell you the best and worst airlines of the year when we return. Fox Souls Black Report. <laughs> Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, Florida Democratic Senator Bobby Powell remains determined mm. to combat hair discrimination and change societal perceptions. So despite multiple unsuccessful attempts, Powell introduced legislation in the state Senate to outlaw hair discrimination in public education. The Nationwide Crown Act campaign, which aims to eliminate bias against Afrocentric hairstyles, has been approved in several states and the U.S. House. That's right, Dove's research highlights the challenges faced by black women in the workplace due to hair discrimination. Powell is committed to continuing the mission despite setbacks. 
All right. Meanwhile, as more trans users and other marginalized groups feel as if Twitter has changed for the worse, they're heading to a new social platform. It's called Blue Sky and it's still in, in beta mode, but it's being considered the alternative to Twitter. It's even backed by the former CEO of Twitter, a guy by the name of Jack Dorsey. The platform allows users to post text and images to uh, a central feed, uh, follow others and repost. However, you can't message others just yet or block any users. Uh, however, to get access, you have to be invited. Very interesting, Nikord, a lot. It is very interesting. It's exciting, mm -hmm. you know, that we have an alternative to the Twitter dumpster fire mm -hmm. uh, that we have uh, we watched in front of our own eyes mm -hmm. uh, as Elon Musk has taken control and really un he's un he undid a lot of the protections right. uh, that users had. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, Twitter has become, you know, sort of a source of a lot of white supremacy mm -hmm. and a lot of homophobic hate. and transphobic, you know, hate mm -hmm. uh, masquerading as free speech. It's important to note that in 2018, black Americans accounted for 28% of Twitter users. Mm -hmm. You know how many uh, black folks were on Twitter as of last spring? How many? 5%. You, you better give us the statistics. Five percent, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I, I think that's that's a significant drop. It doesn't happen by itself. And so, Black Twitter will reemerge. It will reemerge on places like Blue Sky, but and even places it's like gonna, Spill. It's going to reemerge on the lighter side of the conversation. It's going to reemerge because something or and or somebody always has next. You know, ask Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Ask. I'm going to do it for the buy. I ain't going to do it. Ask. Um, Snapchat. I, I know people still use that, but you know, just think about you know the the innovation. And there's always something or somebody, like I said, that's going to have next. So Black Twitter will be fine. We just have to find what that next platform is going to be. That's right. Yeah. Will you be on? Uh, I don't even know what the platform is, so this story and is very new to me. Okay. And but I'll go and do some googling and we'll research. Explore. But I feel like I'm on enough already. I can't do no more. <laughs> LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Tick, I don't even do my TikTok. I can't keep up with it. Yeah, TikTok's, you know? a, TikTok's a lot going on. You have it's to really be invested in TikTok. You do. Because right? I didn't even know TikTok, you have to, it has to be a video. I thought I could just do, but no, TikTok is, you know, I didn't know. So no, I won't be on anything else. So God bless us all. <laughs> all right, well, mortgage lenders Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will have new upfront, upfront loan fees that will impact home buyers of all credit scores. Housing experts say some are concerned because the fees penalize buyers with higher credit scores and reward those with lower scores. But ultimately, the lenders say it's uh, to make home ownership more equitable. Mm. But experts say, in fact, someone without a good score will still pay less in fees than someone with a lower credit score. It's just that that gap is narrowed more than in the past. Okay, I guess that's good news. Soulmates, as you book flights this summer, there's a new travel report highlighting the best and the worst airlines. Topping the list, are you ready? I'm ready. Southwest, Delta, and JetBlue. But here are the lowest. The report says steer clear of Frontier, Spirit, 
and American Airlines. American mm -hmm. Airlines is one of the big three. Mm. Now listen up, Alaska Airlines was among the best for premium economy seats, but among the worst airlines for first and business class flyers. Who's going to Alaska? Companies like Spirit didn't rank in that section as they, as they don't have first or, or business class, but instead uh, they have these larger um, front seats that you can like, don't you have to bid for them or something like that? Don't you have who, to put in a who bid? Who has a larger front seat? Spirit does, I think, have a larger front seat selection, but you have to bid on it. But let me tell you, as far as economy is concerned, I got in a clutch one time, and I enjoyed JetBlue. I, I yeah. had a great experience. Cool. I didn't have to pay for snacks. They had some TVs. The Could seats, you recline the in your seats seat? Recline back. Cause, cause I enjoyed JetBlue. On some of these airlines, I ain't gonna call you out, Spirit. Oh yeah, but. <laughs> But you really? can't recline your seat, yeah. But but back in the day for me, Southwest was that was my jam because I could get back and forth from here to Chicago for like ninety nine dollars round trip. Southwest was beautiful. Now you could sit anywhere, your bags fly free. But now, the pattern, the flight patterns really don't do anything for me. But I, you fly all the time. Who do you prefer? I fly all the time. I prefer Delta and American, but just because I got a lot of points on American, mm -hmm. um, American. Y'all need to improve your service, right? Y'all need y'all need to go to the school of Virgin America because, to me, in terms of customer service, mm. that is where it's at. Um, Delta's really come up. I'm mm -hmm. really comfortable with Delta. There's a big hub here People in Detroit. People forget about United, though. Don't, I had to fly a United but Delta tickets be to too expensive, by the way. Delta is pricey. Double the price. Well, the big three are pricey, but I'm saying. JetBlue was, was If you're going to be pricey, be pricey for a reason. Yeah. For a good reason. And Spirit, did you see them the, the lady recording them putting some tape on the tape Ooh. on the tape on the um, the wing and he was using some <laughs> duct tape. You know, look, for, for look, some people Spirit works. Uh, I'm not going to hate on Spirit too much. I will say I took a Spirit flight from LA to Philadelphia once because that was the only time I could get to where I needed to get to. My entire and backside was numb. That seat is really won't thin. Do, won't do it again because this is where Spirit gets you. <laughs> Everything is a la carte. That's You're right. going to pay extra for luggage, whether you, you carry know? it on or not. How did you you want know? a bottle of water, you parch. You're going to spend some money on yeah. spirit. Can I recline my chair? That's going to be extra on the spirit. And you may become one, too, if they have mechanical difficulties. Up next, placing the importance on finding our black and missing. That's right. Natalie Wilson from the Black and Missing Foundation joins us with a mother who is searching to find her missing son. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Soulmates. Pretty important discussion here, so I want you to definitely listen up. Black Americans go missing at a uh, disproportionate rate compared to other races. Now, that's according to the National Crime Information Center. Last year alone, out of approximately 546,000 people reported missing, 36% of those were black. Joining us now to shine a light and awareness to the black and missing in this country is Natalie Wilson, co-founder of Black and Missing Foundation, and Cordelita Johnson, the mother of Eotis Harris. We will listen to her story as well. Thank you both, both for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Thank you, for Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, welcome back, Natalie. We talk a, a lot about uh, black women who are missing, but talk to us about the black missing male and what some of the similarities and differences are uh, when they go missing. Yes, so a population that we haven't been talking about are black males that are missing, and their cases are typically under the radar. 
when we first started the organization, there were more missing black men than women and children. And, you know, typically when our men are reported missing, they're classified as being a thug or seen as being a thug, a criminal and a burden on society. And what we're trying to do is to change the narrative that these are our fathers, our brothers, our sons that are missing, and they deserve the same level of media coverage and law enforcement resources to be found. Yeah, and speaking of, of that, uh, Mother Corlita, let me bring you into the conversation. We see the milk cartons, we see the flyers, we see the billboards. But tell us about your son, E. Otis. What would you want us to know about your son? He was a, a, a well-educated, intelligent, great son, mm. uh, person. You know, he loved everyone, did anything for anyone. He was just, he was awesome. Yeah. You know, um, mm -hmm. just well educated, great, and all of that. Yeah. Just a wonderful kid mm -hmm. to even have, you know, and I, God bless me with him. So, you know, very wonderful. Indeed. Tell us a little bit about his case, um, some of the circumstances surrounding as much as you can share. How long has uh, Eotis, uh, how long has he been missing? He's been missing. Uh, next month on the 16th would be two years. Mm. Uh, he was, uh, truck was found in Aspermont, Texas, a little small town, uh, about 919 people. Um, mm -hmm. One dog was found, the other dog was killed. Mm -hmm. um, and we're just waiting. I finally got bank records. Uh, we finally got some bank records. So they're, they're, they're going really slow, but it's, it's starting to come all the way through. So we're trying to just, I'm just praying that something comes through. Uh, you know, for his case, sure. because I won't stop looking. Sure. How how yeah. how helpful, uh, or maybe not helpful, have authorities been for you and your family? Uh, really, not that helpful. Mm -hmm. If I didn't pressure them, if I didn't, if I would have stopped, they probably would have stopped. Um, so I I stay on them. I call them every week, at least twice a week. I, I just stay on them. Uh, but you know, I, I won't stop. I, I, I don't mm -hmm. care. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep calling. Y'all gonna give me something. That's right. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We yes, can definitely. We can definitely uh, understand that. And your, your, your strength. Uh, you know, speaks volumes to you know a mother's love. And we we thank you for sharing uh, your son with us today, Natalie. Um, how helpful. You know, we just heard uh, Mother Corlita speak. How helpful. Uh, you know, are the police and, and media and, and and the community. Uh, when when we are looking for the, the black and missing, whether male or female or child, an adult, how, how helpful uh, do we have a ten do they have a tendency to be or not to be? Well, you know, we've come a long way as an organization, mm -hmm. um, but the media, law enforcement, our community, we have to do a better job in shouting out about these cases and bringing exposure to it because someone knows something mm -hmm. and we all need to get involved to help solve these cases. Um, they cannot continue to go under the radar. So again, like shows like this, mm -hmm. segments like this, is shedding a light on Eotis's case. And we hope that someone recognizes him or knows something about the case, and they can contact our organization anonymously mm -hmm. to help find him or contact law enforcement to help bring him home. Yeah, we have a, a picture uh, of him on our screen now, missing since 616-2021. Uh, um, um, either uh, Mother Corlita 
uh, or Natalie, do you all have any any leads, any more information on his whereabouts? Let's talk a little bit about you know his 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 physical uh, self, what he looked like you know two years ago in comparison to what maybe he might look like now. Any pieces of information you all can leave us with today? Well, Otis was a, a big guy, um, mm -hmm. 5'10", about 305 pounds. Mm -hmm. And he was last seen in Fort Worth, Texas, or close to Aspermont, which is a very small community. Mm -hmm. So someone, again, knows something as to what happened to e. Otis. Yeah. Miss Natalie, if, if someone needs uh, your help, uh, your organization's help uh, and or support, how can they get in contact with uh, the Black and Missing um, Foundation? So please go to our website at bamfi.org. If you have a loved one who's missing, please reach out to us. Mm -hmm. Or if you know of someone, um, if you have information about a case, please also reach out to us at bamfi.org to help us find us. Yeah. And Mother uh, Corlita, any, any words that you'd like to uh, leave us with as we come together as a community, as a, as a village, to help support you in finding out what happened to Eotis, your son, your loved one? Anything you want to leave us with? Somebody's out there that knows something. Yeah. And I just want them to come and, and just tell us, you know, um, someone has to know something. Um, he wouldn't just leave like this. So uh, if you, you know, if you know something, like like Natalie said, you mm -hmm. can be anonymous. Mm -hmm. We just want to find Trey and bring him home, which is Eotis, I'm sorry. Bring Eotis home mm -hmm. uh, where he needs to be, where he's missed. Uh, and my motto is that somebody knows something and uh, I hope it gets on their heart that they come forward and let us know something yep. again stay anonymous mm -hmm. it's fine we just need to find him and bring him home mother Khalid, i heard you is he also known as trey that that might be uh, an important piece of information as well right. he is a third i'm sorry is eotis harris the third gotcha we do call him trey okay so yes he is known by trey as well that's important to know thank you so much ladies for joining us today natalie we just treasure this this partnership in hopes that we can get some results uh, remember if you see something say something soulmates and we have the number on the screen it's 877-972-2634 uh, miss uh, corlita we're, we're praying for you and natalie thank you so thank much you. Uh, for this uh, partnership and we'll be talking to you soon thank you for having thank you us. guys so much Sad news to report, pioneering mezzo-soprano Grace Bumbry has died. Yeah, Bumbry became the first black singer to perform at Germany's Beirut Festival during a career of more than three decades on the world's top stages. Bumbry died Sunday at a hospital in Vienna, according to her publicist. She was 86 years old. And absolutely stunning and beautiful and just a gorgeous voice. You know, I, I thought I wanted to, you know, graduate from high school and become a, a famous singer. I was going to move to New York. My daddy said, yeah, New York, Michigan State, East Lansing University. So, but I, I studied uh, opera, Leontine Price, mm -hmm. Jesse Norman, 
uh, Marian Anderson, Kathleen Battle. I mean, that he that list is long and heavy, and this woman here uh, definitely uh, belongs uh, in that group. And um, you know, I just I feel like you were just well, we are. I don't feel we are. You know, losing a generation, and so really we're going to have to be tasked and assigned to living in those legacies, remembering them, and uh, cherishing the body of work that they leave behind. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. what an incredible gift uh, to music mm -hmm. and uh, for those that, that knew her, um, you know, her spirit continues on yeah. through us. And for you aspiring singers, I know you might not be in the opera, but study it because it's the technique. It's the technique that's going to get you over when you're trying to sing them songs. What was her What was her specialized technique? Did she have she, one? Well, she was a mezzo-soprano, but uh -huh. she just, her, the, her voice the, was the technique. And for the people that don't know the difference. There's different rankings in, in soprano, so uh -huh. she was like, like right there. Okay, like right yeah. in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Okay. The more you know. The more you know, <laughs> the better you're supposed to do. <laughs> Up next, she's catered the Emmys, the Grammys, the Oscars, you name it, Chef Pilar Omega. That's right, she's in the last stretch yes. of Next Level Chef. And she's joining us to talk about it right here, right now. It's Fox Soul's Black Report. We'll be right back. Next up, we have Cornish Game Hen. Uh, the chef grabbed brandy for their alcohol. It's finished with a uh, roasted potato and also a plantain mash. Mm, delicious. Um, this individual is plating like an angel. It's plating that we're used to seeing in the finale. And that's exactly where she's landed in the finals. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to Fox Souls Black Report. Chef Pilar Omega is in the running of becoming America's Next Level Chef. Yes, she's in the finale. It's gonna air tonight on Fox, and it's it's the style, it's the attention to detail, the, the training that has taken her this far. We wanna welcome my Detroit homegirl, Chef Pilar Omega, to Fox Souls Black Report. Oh hey there. <laughs> hey, Chef Pilar, how you doing? I'm nervous excited all of the emotions that comes along with this two-hour season finale that we have Girl, today that's, that's all right that's this. all right so many of us are rooting for you mm -hmm. and so tell us you know chef pilar we learned from the show that you've worked with some pretty big names you've worked on some pretty big events how did you get started and, and just tell us what your origin story is well, I'm a native Detroiter. I went to Wayne State University, studied nutrition and food science, and I found myself in the kitchen. Um, and I moved to Los Angeles with the hopes of just becoming a chef. And somehow I ended up in Wolfgang Club Catering. I had no idea what I was about to embark on, what journey was before me. And I was just was able to do all the biggest, fabulous events year after year, the Oscars, the Emmy, the Awards, movie premieres, Fabulous, million dollar weddings, hmm. you name it, I was a part of it. Wow, talk, talk about getting and staying in alignment with your purpose and your gifts and your talents so that you've had this incredible journey and it has led you to next level chef. Talk a little bit about this opportunity and how it came about. Well, I actually applied for season one. Okay. And I obviously didn't get a call back. Um, and I just decided to just try one more time. So I applied for season two, and it was a very long casting process, mm. like about six months 
of just interviews and doctor's notes and physicals. And after six months, they finally called and said, you made it and you have to be ready to film in two weeks. Wow. Well, wow. you well you clearly you got that call and you were ready. <laughs> clearly, you were ready. Uh, well, it's stay ready. Uh, I know that's right. Because when you stay ready, you ain't got to what? Get ready. Come on now. <laughs> Interview over. Drop mic. <laughs> it's a wrap. So, so Chef Pilar, you know, we notice a lot of you chefs on the show talk about the pressure mm -hmm. of the food grab. What's that like? Explain it to those who may not understand the concept of the food grab. The platform is terrifying. Number one, you don't know what's going to be on the platform. You have no control of the ingredients and it's like blinders. It's 30 seconds, but you really only see what's right in front of you. There are times when stuff will make it to another floor and another level and you're like, I didn't even see that protein or I didn't even see that vegetable. It's so intense. And then you have these three amazing mentors that add the extra pressure on top of the way the show is set up, the competition, it was intense. It, it is so physical and so chaotic, a lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, hey, watch my girl now, hold, hold on, hold on. I mean, no wonder you had to take physicals and, and blood tests and, and give up your first board and, and carry it on. Listen, Chef Pilar, we, we have a clip uh, so the soulmates can actually see what happens. It's from earlier this season, and we think it's very fitting now that you have made it to the finale. So let's, let's all take a look here. Pilar, talk to me about your ingredients. I have squid. My vision is a Frito Misto with the coconut curry sauce. Why are you here today? I'm here to prove that with dedication and passion, you can make it places like here. I'm ready. I see it in your eyes, girl. You look fierce. You're gonna leave here with $250,000. No other choice. I believe no in you. No other way. We love that. I'm hungry now, by the way. I know that coconut curry yeah, sounds good right about now. Yeah, baby. We know everything you do is for your beautiful daughter. Talk about what this, you know, what this will mean for you and her, um, you know, if you were to walk away as the next level chef. It would mean the world to me. Um, the catering industry, culinary industry is very demanding. So I've had to make a lot of sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And this would just prove that they were all worth the sacrifice, nothing went in vain. And just being on the show for me, getting recognition is already proven that my hard work and sacrifice hasn't gone in vain. Mm. It certainly has. We really enjoy watching you. Yeah. Um, so tell us, what's next for Chef Pilar? Are you coming home to Detroit to open a restaurant or what? People want to <laughs> no, know. No, no pressure, no pressure. <laughs> There's so much in store. There's so many opportunities coming my way. I'm excited to do some things in Detroit. I'm excited to start launching a brand, work on a cookbook. Just all the things that I've been wanting to work on. I feel like I didn't have the platform. Um, I was just like this hidden gem in the culinary world. And now I feel like I finally get recognition and I'm discovered as, you know, up and coming chef. Yeah, we will definitely be watching tonight. Before before we um, let you go, uh, you you mentioned you've done 
million dollar weddings. I know sometimes they don't like you talking about it. What is it called, an NDA? Uh, but it is wedding season. Uh, could you maybe share with us whose wedding you've catered or maybe the best um, tips when it comes to trying to find the best caterer for your occasion, either or, or maybe a little both on that. We'd love to hear who are some of your favorite celebrity weddings that you've catered. Um, I've obviously did sign NDAs, but I will Dang. say um, the most fabulous wedding uh, was at the Dolby, um, where they do the Oscars. Mm -hmm. This couple had over $2 million worth of flowers. And I was just oh. like, oh my God. Oh, I think for any event, it's just finding a caterer or event stylist that aesthetically is what you want. Mm -hmm. It goes for what your style is. Every event is different. You don't. You can follow your own lane. That's the best part about catering is you have the option to just create the experience that you want your guests to have. Yeah, I was asking um, the Cordelia to ask you how we can link up and follow and stay in touch with your social media. That's what I was trying to yes. tell you before they flip the camera. Back. Well, 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 go, ahead and, go ahead and ask her, Courtney. <laughs> I am on all platforms, Chef Pilar Omega. I got content coming. You can see my journey from the beginning, some of my old content from when I was coming up in the industry. So you can really see, you know, my first YouTube that I did 12 years ago wow. that's still getting views. So, you know, it's been a journey. It's been progression. And I'm just excited to just be now recognized yeah. for all the hard work again. Sometimes you're just in the kitchen and no one knows who you are. And, you know, it, it, it feels good to finally hear judges of that level, Gordon Ramsay, Richard Blaze, and Aisha Aronson, Top giving me those compliments. That yeah. was the best yeah. Wow. Well, well, we're excited to do our part mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that more people know about you and are rooting for you uh, tonight. Uh, but I've got to ask you real quick for for those who may not be advanced culinary geniuses <laughs> like yourself. You know, you know, are there are there some basic tips that you would offer to folks out there who may not have the money to be able to to, you know, have a you know, a pricey uh, meal somewhere, but, uh, you know, at home want to attempt to give their loved one the Chef Pilar experience. Mm. Is that person, that sounds like a personal question, Nicole. All about the flavors. It's all about flavors. Just up your seasoning game, up your sauces. Even if there's, you know, store-bought, that's fine. Add some butter to everything and it's better. Oh. And butter just cook it with butter love. Butter makes it better. Butter does. When make you it cook better. with love, everybody feels it. So any effort with love is it's good. Yeah. It'll be a good dinner. Yeah. Well, we love you. Best of uh, luck tonight. Peace and blessings. <laughs> uh, we'll be watching out, Chef Pilar. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're an official thank soulmate. You. We'll definitely have you back. That's for sure. <laughs> Yay! Thank you for having me. Indeed. Jay Z is heading to the Supreme Court, y'all, but it isn't to fight for justice. Jay-Z alleged his alleged son is taking his paternity battle to the highest court in the land. His name is Ramir Satherwaite, and he says all he wants to do is live his life when it's all said and done and hopes Jay-Z wants to be in his life. Ramir, his mother, claims to have had sex with Jay-Z in the 1990s and reportedly has been in this custody battle since 2012. Uh, why now? If well, he if he is the dad, why not now? 
Well, I mean, they've been engaged in this custody battle since 2012. It's now 2023. Well, that's over 10 years. And so that's my whole point is as to the fact that he's just so adamant about Jay-Z being his dad. I mean, at some point, you'd be like, dude, give it up. But he seems to be pretty adamant. And, you know, we took a look at that side by side. I'm like, whoa. I don't know. I mean, I wonder, you know, why did he wait till Beyonce went on her Renaissance World Tour <laughs> before he decided to call Jay-Z out like this publicly. Wasn't it I don't fabulous? Know. Did the, you see some of the, the clips? The from timing Sweden? of this. Oh, I'm not so sure of this. I'm going to need soulmates to keep posting because I showed up and pay all that money for a ticket, but I, they, they looked fabulous. I actually night. want soulmates to stop posting because some of us are going to see her in the fall and we don't want to see the whole show. Well, for those who wanted to see uh, Babyface, it was a problem. <laughs> Auntie Anita Baker fans aren't so happy with the singer after her recent concert. The music legend was so late to the uh, Prudential uh, Center in Jersey that Babyface didn't even get a chance to perform as many hits as Babyface has. Babyface took to Twitter to apologize to the fans, saying that Anita's team wanted her to do her entire performance and that he had his full band uh, wishes, him and his full band wishes they could have performed. No word on plans to make good on this performance. Oh, no. I mean, what was this all about? You know, I don't know. It, I'm it, so surprised. It, it feels like there was some ego involved, right? Because if you have Babyface and a whole band that's ready there to perform, if you're running late, let them perform, right? I mean, yeah. Anita Baker is a legend. She's a genius, Iconic. right? And so she ain't got nothing to prove, you mm -hmm. know? And, and it's okay to have more than one musical genius on, on stage at a time, right? And for a lot of people, let me just say, this was triggering because it reminded them of, you know, the old days when Luther Vandross and Anita were on tour. Together. And, and, and apparently things went left. You know, sometimes we just don't have the full story of, of what may have happened, you know, or why she was so late, but um, definitely should have let Babyface go ahead and, and keep that audience together uh, while she made her way to the, to, the, um, to the venue. Yeah, and especially if that's what the audience is expecting. If they mm -hmm. were expecting Babyface, it would be one yeah. thing if Babyface was like a surprise performance, yeah. but they were expecting Babyface. they could probably get a refund, and, right? And they, they're asking for a refund. Because they only got a half of a show. Yeah, I know they are, but I'm saying they should, I mean, they should be able to. That was just a half of a show, mm -hmm. as expensive as these tickets are. But y'all keep posting Beyonce. She'll be Don't to do us it. later Don't on the summer back Don't here in America. Post it because I do uh -uh. not, you know, put up my mortgage payment to go see Bay. I love her too. Was Beehive, I love her. I love her. But y'all keep posting them. That's how I'm going to see this Up show. next, y'all already know what it is. It's black excellence. We'll tell you how uh, the legacy of Carter G. Uh, Woodson, a museum in Florida, is being kept intact. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. Welcome back to Fox Souls Black Report. With Florida being one of the states passing mm -hmm. restrictions on how African-American history is taught, there's one group bringing back a tactic used during the civil rights movement. The Carter G. Woodson Museum in St. Petersburg is determined to keep African-American history alive. That's it, the St. Petersburg chapter of the Association for the Study of African-American Life and History says the organization is staying out of the woke debate and focusing on just teaching, stating that, uh, quote, all children need to learn about black Americans' ability to overcome mistreatment, enslavement, brutality, lynchings, mass incarceration, and discrimination of every kind. Amen. 
The association will teach classes at the museum on everything from slavery to the civil rights uh, movement, the Civil War, emancipation and reconstruction and segregation. Yeah, uh, you know, so freedom schools, you know, back in, in the day um, were formulated to kind of address literacy in, in the black community. You fast forward and now, you know, with this chapter of that organization, they're like, let's flip the script and let's uh, task ourselves with teaching this history. And that's pretty bold because they are down in Florida and we know what's happening in Florida. But um, the classes, which, you know, stem from the uh, Freedom School. The classes will be taught um, primarily to young people, but I'm sure they're open to everybody um, to learn and, and all young people. And so it's it's a great effort, especially in the midst of what's happening in yeah. Florida right and, now. And it's a great opportunity for people to to do something, to, mm -hmm. to channel this frustration that we feel, it feels almost like day in and day out mm -hmm. in terms of challenges around mm -hmm. black history and black humanity, to channel that into supporting freedom schools in a community near you. I know yeah. in Los Angeles, there's a freedom school uh, that Community Coalition hosts every summer. Um, there are freedom schools everywhere across the country, and so get your kid enrolled in the freedom school. Yeah. You know, volunteer some time to support a freedom school mm -hmm. in a community near you. Yeah, and it's a great continued salute to Carter G. Woodson and his platform and what he was able to, to birth and his his vision and legacy that continues to live on through these freedom schools. When we it really is a good look. When we say we celebrate Black History every day, mm -hmm. right? This is one of the ways in which people yeah. celebrate Black Absolutely. History every day through these freedom schools. Mm -hmm. All right. For a full rundown on today's stories and more, you can access Fox Soul's video on demand. You see them here on the screen, Roku, Tubu, uh, Twitch, <laughs> Caffeine, Vizio, all of them, honey. You can even access past shows and other Black-centered content. Don't forget to download the Fox Soul app. It's absolutely free. I'm Courtney Hicks. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm Nick Cordelite Corte. <laughs> and uh, until next time, everybody, on behalf of everybody here at Fox Soul. Everybody. Everybody's. Uh, here at Foxhole's Black Report, <laughs> stay lifted. And stay safe. She's so silly. Everybody. 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 <laughs> Amen. <laughs>